Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Uh, we are being transformed into. We are being transformed into Christ likeness. May it be so. This is finishing up week six. Well done, good and faithful servants. I'd say enter into your rest, but there's only a week break and then we've got class after, so that's not going to happen. The speaker this evening is Dr. Bob Broadbooks. He is the director of the United States, USA, Canada Mission Evangelism Department for the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, he's been, he's lived in Colorado a couple of times. It's not quite home, but, but he likes it here. So would you welcome him? Dr. Broadbook's de department is responsible for, responsible for ministry in the U.S. and Canada. You know, everything, that, everything that's involved there. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad he's made the trip. Uh, we, have, we have opportunity to pursue uh, being transformed into Christ-likeness. He's going to preach from uh, the passage that we've been using, but it's, a, but it's a whole new take. So I'm looking forward to it. I want us to start with an old song. It's Be Thou My Vision. Everybody know it? Um, I'm teaching tonight, and I haven't quite got here yet. Just hang on. <laughs> possible for us to get a glimpse and we give you praise you make it possible for us to respond to the glimpse and we give you praise holy holy is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory Amen. and we pray that that would be true of us 
that every part of our lives, that everything that we do would echo your holiness, would reveal your otherness, reveal your worth. Thank you for giving us the chance to be here. Thank you for the way that you work in our lives. Thank you for Dr. Bob Broadbooks and for his willingness to serve. We look forward to hearing your word through him for your sake. For you are holy. We give you praise. Amen. You may be seated. Is it my turn? Yes. Thank you, Chaplain. And uh, what a joy it is to be here tonight. I've enjoyed the day very, very much. And I'm thrilled about the opportunity to, to be here again tonight. Had a good, good time this morning with the uh, faculty and staff. Oh, there's, there's several more up here. I guess you didn't need that one, one pick, did you? Here's two more if you, in case you run out. Uh, I thought, I, I didn't see the other two, thought you'd need that later on. But, uh, oh, anyway, it's been a great day. And, uh, yes, it is true. When I got out of school, my first church that I pastored was in, was in Montrose, Colorado. Anybody know where Montrose is? It's almost in Utah is where it is. And, uh, in fact, uh, Highway 50, does, it ends in, uh, in Montrose. There is no paved road out west of Montrose. They sent me over there where I could do very little damage. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, but I love Colorado, and I love being here with you tonight. We only have a few minutes. Let's jump right into the Word, can we? Uh, if you have uh, your Bibles, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, we'll read through, uh, through a few verses. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. When I heard about your theme, I, I thought to myself, well, let me, let me go back and, and look at that paragraph. What, what, what does that paragraph say? And so let's think about it tonight. What does this paragraph say toward the theme of your chapel services this year? Well, well, let's, let's think about it. The, the, the message is entitled, uh, The Unveiling. The Unveiling. Uh, when I was a little boy, they put a, they put a new movie on television. And uh, I was so excited about this. I heard about it, and I begged my mom and dad to let me stay up and see it. It was uh, a Cecil B. DeMille production called The Ten Commandments. Now, most of you are a lot younger here. I, I, I don't know if you've, uh, have any of you ever seen, did you see The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille? Well, there's some movie buffs in the room. Do you remember who played Moses? Oh, wow, you are, you are right on. Charlton Heston, you, you remember who Charlton was. Well, he, he was Moses in this, in this movie, and I was enthralled by it. I could not believe what I was seeing. It, the whole movie uh, was based upon Exodus 34. We won't take the time to read it, but in Exodus 34, you hear the story, 
you read the story about what happened on Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments to, to this man, Charlton, excuse me, this man Moses. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I still remember it. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, he comes down off of the mountain, and the, the word says his face is just glowing, absolutely a glow. And uh, they, 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 I, it looked like they put Charlton in front of an airplane fan for about an hour. <laughs> and his hair, he had long hair, his hair was sticking straight out and straight up. I know that's hard to visualize on me, but, but he had hair. And, and his hair was sticking straight up and straight out, and his long beard was flowing straight back. And then it looked like they took a can of gold spray paint and sprayed Charlton's face. And he had his eyes wide open. And he walks down off uh, Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, and the people knew that something had happened. Well, he had been with God, and God had put a glow on his face that was absolutely unmistakable. Uh, but after a few days, the glow begins to fade. And uh, Charlton, excuse me, Moses, Moses didn't want the people to know. So the scripture says, he put a veil up over his face. And had I decided, had I known I was going to do this, I would have brought a white handkerchief. But, I, I, but Moses put a veil up over his face because he didn't want the people to see that the glow was fading. And then he went back up on the mountain to be with God. And the glow comes back to his face. And he goes back to be with the people. And they knew that he had been with God. It was obvious. His, his face and his life was just a fire. But after a few days, the glow begins to fade, and he doesn't want the people to know. So up comes the veil, until he can get back to the mountain to be with God again. And, and that's the story of Exodus 34. Well, evidently, the Apostle Paul had been reading Exodus 34 when he wrote this paragraph. He, he was captivated by the story. And so he talks about this unveiling that takes place in a, in a person's life. He says a lot of things in the chapter that we just don't have time to get to. One of the things he says is that when Jews read the Bible, it's as if their minds are veiled. It's as if they have a, a veil over their brain and they can't see that Jesus really was the Messiah. It, it's, uh, but that's not what I want to talk to you about tonight. What I want to talk to you about is the, the last three verses... I read because in those last three verses Paul is saying what happens when you get into the presence of God have you ever been in a service where where the Lord's presence was just so amazing that when the service was ended you you couldn't cough you, you couldn't get up out of your seat to leave you just, you just were absolutely captivated by the awesome presence of God. I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that, but, but once in a while, God comes in such a, such a dramatic, fabulous, holy way that, that your life is absolutely changed. And the Apostle Paul talks about what happens when, when you get into the presence of the Lord. The first thing is in, is in verse... Uh, verse 16. The first thing is when you get into the presence of the Lord, you begin to see more clearly. Look at verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When you get into the presence of the Lord, you begin to see things more clearly. 
you begin to see what is really important. In fact, you begin to see what other people can't see. You begin to see invisible things. And suddenly invisible things like love and joy and peace and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, those invisible things become more real to you than the physical, the things you can see with your physical eyes. Years of living in sin have a way of blinding you. A veil comes over your face. Scales come over your eyes. You don't even realize it. You think you're seeing clearly, but you really don't when you're living in sin. And that's why we love to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, I got, I, I got myself a little ahead, but you, you remember where I was going. Yeah, you know what I was going. You, you were right, I was wrong. But anyway, you remember. It ends with, I was, once was blind, but now I see. That's, that's what happens when you get into the presence of the Lord. I don't like veils. I just don't like veils. My wife, Carol, is here tonight. We've been married 36 years. Wave your hand, Carol. 36 years. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I still remember our wedding night. Uh, we, we, got married, uh, we, we, uh, we got married 36 years ago. And I promised my mother that I wouldn't get married until I graduated from college. So I, I, uh, I, 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 I fulfilled my promise. We got married on a Tuesday night. Now, most people don't get married on a Tuesday night. But I promised my mother I wouldn't get married until I graduated from, from college. Guess, I, I, guess what? I graduated on Monday night. <laughs> so we get married on Tuesday night. But uh, I couldn't believe it. When Carol entered the room, I wasn't sure it was her. I don't like veils. She had this thick veil on her. And she had, she had five sisters. And I immediately had the, I got the vision of, of uh, Rachel and Leah in the Old Testament. You know that story? <laughs> And I, I didn't want any of her other sisters. I wanted Carol. I think Ron, I think Ron and I have been friends forever. I think you might have been at our wedding. I'm not sure. But, but anyway, I was not sure it was her. Through the whole wedding, I, I was afraid I was marrying one of her sisters. And I hated that veil. And I couldn't wait for the appropriate time to lift that veil up and see that it really was Carol and her beautiful green eyes and kiss her. And Oh, my, it was scary. I, I just didn't like it. I don't like veils. I'm pretty sure she didn't like veils either because through that, uh, through that veil, she couldn't see just how stunningly handsome I was in my, in my white tuxedo and my, my hair. <laughs> but I don't like veils. I don't like veils because veils blind you. Did you know years of living in the church can also blind you? You can get so used to the presence of God that you begin to take it for granted. May the Lord help us not to do that. But when we come into the presence of the Lord, He lets us see things as they really are. But I must race. The next thing that happens when you get into the presence of the Lord is verse 17. You find a new freedom. I love verse 17. Now the, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When you get it, when you really come to Jesus, there is a freedom in your life that you will not find anywhere else. And many of you can testify to that. I uh, grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and every sermon I heard was about something I wasn't supposed to be doing. <laughs> the preacher would get up and he'd name a sin, and he'd say, don't you do that, that'll send you to hell, and he'd spend an hour talking about that sin. Right. And the next uh, sermon I heard was about another sin. 
Uh, this is the way I thought as a little boy. I don't think it was really this way, but the next sermon was about another sin, and he preached about an hour on that sin. And I thought every sermon I heard was about something I wasn't supposed to be doing, and I thought for sure that Christianity was a very restrictive religion. It was a painful, restrictive religion. I thought it was all about doing, not doing certain things. But when I really had an encounter with Christ, I discovered that it wasn't restriction. It was actually freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want restriction, you just go ahead and steal something from the place where you work. And every time the boss calls you into his office, your heart will be jumping out of your chest because you'll, you'll be thinking you've been found out. Or if you want restriction, you just go ahead and get a drug habit. And your life won't be your own. That's restriction. Or if you want restriction, you just go ahead and have some kind of illicit sexual behavior outside of your marriage. And every time the doorbell rings or the phone rings, you'll be thinking you've been found out. And you'll be awfully frightened. That's restriction. But if you want freedom, real freedom, you just come and get into the presence of the Lord and renew His grace in your life, and you will find true, true, blessed freedom. Amen. Amen. But I must race. There's one more thing the verse says, uh, this passage says, and that is when you get into the presence of the Lord, you will find a continuing transformation. A continuing transformation. Look at verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Amen. A continuing transformation. When you really get into the presence of the Lord, he continues the transformation in your life. You just can't get away from it. As you read the New Testament over and over again, you will discover that it says that you and I are called to be holy people. We are called to be Christ-like, righteous people. You cannot escape it if you read through the New Testament. We are called to be holy, transformed people. This plan is for you and me to be like Christ, but the problem is you and I can't be that in our own strength. We are, we're not born that way. We cannot, we cannot make ourselves be transformed into Christ-likeness. There is a work that the Lord needs to do in our lives, this continuing transformation that, that He does within us. He changes the essence of us so it affects the actions of our lives. He transforms us from the inside out. This is a real unveiling. It's a continuing transformation. Transformation is a big word, but don't, don't let it frighten you. Reminds me of this little boy who was a, a preacher's kid. And he grew up hearing his dad preach about these big words. And they always seemed to rhyme. These huge words like transformation and justification and sanctification and glorification. They all seemed to rhyme. Asian, 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 Asian. And so he was in Sunday school class one day, and the, the Sunday school teacher said, do any of you kids know what procrastination means? And the little boy raised his hand and said, now, teacher, I'm not sure exactly what it means, but I know our church believes in it. I know we do. I know we do. 
No, we don't believe in procrastination. We believe in transformation. In fact, we believe in a continuing transformation. And this continuing transformation begins with something scholars call prevenient grace. The Lord is working on you long before you know it. He is wooing you. He is drawing you. He is, is trying to get you ready to come to him. That's the beginning of this transformation. And then there comes a point where you realize you're a sinner and you come to him and in a very special moment you confess your sins and he comes and places his life and his spirit in you and you begin, you begin a new life that is absolutely transforming. That's a wonderful moment. And most Christians discover after they've walked in Christ with Christ like this, they, they discover that there's a part of them they haven't completely surrendered to the Lord. There's a part of them they've been holding back. And they finally get so tired of this inner battle that's been going on in their lives, they come and make a complete surrender of themselves to Christ. And uh, we, in our faith, we call, it, we call it a moment when we are entirely sanctified. We give our all to Him, and He, he cleanses our hearts from inbred sins and sin and fills us with His Spirit. And that is a continuing transformation that goes on in our lives. That, that's a special moment in our lives. But friend, that isn't the end. The, con the transformation continues. It is a continuing transformation. And, and that's what this verse says. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And that transformation continues all the way till we lay our eyes on Jesus himself Amen. in heaven. It is a continuing transformation. I like the way... Uh, uh, William Greathouse said it in one of his books. He said, uh, your salvation is initiated in regeneration. Another one of those Asian words. Your, your salvation is accelerated in entire sanctification, and it is consummated in glorification. That's pretty good. A lot of words there. Your salvation is initiated in regeneration. It's accelerated in entire sanctification, and it's consummated in glorification. That is a continuing transformation. But I must tell you, my concern is that those of us who've been around the church for a while, if we're not careful, we'll be like Moses. Moses sensed the glow fading in his life, and he didn't want the people to know. And so he put the veil up. We're pretty good at hiding behind veils. The Lord knocks on our hearts and says, you know, I'd like to do some more work in you. <laughs> and you say to him, well, Lord, I'm a leader around here. <laughs> I'm on the church board, or I'm, uh, I'm uh, one of the persons uh, who uh, holds an office on this campus. I'm one of the professors. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm all right. And we put the veil up. My prayer is that none of us, none of us will live like that with the Lord. But we will live unveiled lives so that the transformation can continue. Just this and I'm done. Oh, I've got two minutes. Wow. I'm faster than I thought. Oh, good. Well, let me say this. I was reading E. Stanley Jones the other day. 
And E. Stanley Jones was talking about this continuing transformation that goes on in our lives. He said something that I'd never heard before, and I thought it was uh, really interesting. He said, sometimes in our lives, we come before the Lord, and we need a fresh tank of gas. And then sometimes we come before the Lord, and we need a whole new engine. And sometimes we live our lives and we get to the point where we need a, a fresh anointing. And then there are other times when we realize we've been going in our own strength and we're sick of holding back that one little area of our life. And we say, Lord, I, I don't need to just be warmed up here or just be filled up. I need a brand new engine. And would you transform me to let me have that? And I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe you need a fresh tank of gas. But maybe you've never totally surrendered your life to Christ. And you've been trying to live this life in your own strength. And what you really need is a brand new engine. Oh, you know Christ is your Savior. But you need him to cleanse your heart. Transform it and sanctify you wholly through the power and fire of his Holy Spirit. I don't know, I, 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 know, uh, I know you have a song prepared for us, Alan. And uh, maybe there might be someone who'd like to pray tonight. And of course, this altar's always open. Uh, we've got a minute, a couple minutes. And uh, if you're here tonight, you need to pray. Maybe you need a new tank or a new engine. The Lord is here. Let's stand. Lead us, Alan, and the altar's open. Lord, we thank you for your sweet presence in this place. <laughs> Every time we're with you, you seem to bathe the dust from our eyes and warm our tired hearts. And there is, there is in those meetings a blessed peace that comes. And we thank you for the fact that tonight you are helping us see more clearly. You are helping us find new freedom. And you are continuing the transformation in our lives. We thank you for the beautiful grace that you give us. We thank you for each student here this night. And we pray your blessing upon their lives. Give them clarity of thought. Uh, give them strength and health. Meet all their needs financially, spiritually, in every way, Lord. May you just bless their lives. And may they look back upon this time at NBC as being some of the greatest formative years of their entire life. And for all you do, Lord, in us and through us, we'll give you praise. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.